All right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We thank him for his mercy. It is May 1st, 2022. We thank God because he keeps doing great things. I know we've said it before and we're going to keep saying it. Um, God is a good God. The things that he does for us, uh, he doesn't have to do. So we want, want to maintain a grateful heart, a humble heart and a respectful heart and mindset where we don't lose sight of that very truth that the things that God does for us, he doesn't have to do. And this is the case so that we don't take it for granted. We really don't want to take God for granted. Easy. It's very easy for us to slip into that. Um, but that is not something that we want to make a habit of slipping into. Amen. God is a good God and he's wonderful and he's just, uh, and, and he's just worthy, uh, to be praised. We are back brothers and sisters, um, in our, um, Bible study here where, um, we are talking about a very, um, beautiful topic, very, very, very wonderful topic. We're talking about second chances and fresh starts second chances and fresh starts. And this is a wonderful topic um, because at an, in a nutshell, when we boil it down, we're really talking about God's mercy and his forgiveness, okay? That's really what you get into when you talk about um, second chances, amen. When you're talking about second chances, you're talking about God's, um, um, you're talking about God's mercy, amen, and his forgiveness. And when you're talking about his fresh starts, you're talking about his mercy and his forgiveness. Amen, amen, amen. Those second chances and things that God gives us, we get those because he forgives, amen. And then that fresh start, that's something that we don't deserve, something that we don't earn. And the only reason why we have it is because of God's mercy. So we want to always be uh, mindful of that. Now, our scripture text this morning, as we continue in this, this is our fourth lesson, amen, uh, in this series, Lord willing, this will be the last one, um, but we'll let God... Uh, We'll let God determine that. Our text is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, um, and we look at verses um, 12 through 14. The word of God reads as follows. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. May God, as always, add a blessing to those that not just hear his word and not those that read his word, but they do his word. We say all the time, we will keep saying it, the blessing is in the obedience. You want to be blessed? then stop just reading the word and start obeying what you read. You got to do what God says do. Amen. Amen. Now we, uh, we pick up this lesson um, in second Chronicles. Now our text here, um, we've also said that this is a very uh, famous passage of scripture. And it is often one that uh, many um, have preached and taught from throughout the years, throughout the, the ages that we've had the word of God um, in, its collected, uh, in its collected form and in various uh, forms of collection. This uh, scripture, 2 Chronicles 7.14, is often expounded upon. Many people have gone into this, um, so much so that 
um, you would think the only scripture in Second Chronicles chapter seven is verse fourteen. That's how often that people um, have have taken a dive into this scripture, and um, and rightfully so. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It's a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of things that we want to know. It's a very comforting scripture. Nevertheless, this is not um, the scripture of our focus per se. Amen. Our scripture of focus um, is really not um, so much verse 14 as much as it is verse 12, which says, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, amen, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice, amen, amen. I've, I've, he appeared to Solomon. We're going to deal with these this particular scripture primarily, and then Lord willing, we'll bring in um, a little bit of, um, of of verse 14, not too much of verse 14, because verse 14 is really is the answer, okay? Um, this, these are the, this is the, the uh, instruction set that God is laying down, but when you go to verse 12, and you actually read even the scriptures prior to it, just keep, keep going back, you're going to read you're going to discover that verse 14 is actually the answer to a prayer. Amen. When you get to verse number 12 and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said, I have heard thy prayer. Amen. Verse 12 is the beginning of God getting ready to answer that prayer. He's answering the prayer in verse 14. You're going to get some detailed instructions on what the people um, are going are are to do, but in verse twelve, verse twelve is really the announcement of God saying yes, Amen. That He's answering the prayer that day that uh, Solomon uh, went into, Amen. And um, and last time when we when we spoke, we didn't get too far um, into our topic at hand. Nevertheless, we had a good time in the Lord. The Lord really gave us some good things um, um, to, to think about, some wonderful things for us to consider, and we're very grateful. Uh, we're very grateful to that. We talked about several several things. Amen. We know about wisdom that it comes in two varieties. Amen. It is either from above or it is from below. Amen. And um, to understand that, I invite you to read James chapter three, verses thirteen through seventeen, and you can read all uh, all about that. Amen. Um, um, and we also learned that there was a benefit because in our text, um, remember verse 12 is the answer of a prayer, but this was a prayer that was prayed using that wisdom. Okay. Solomon, if you know the story was blank, was granted wisdom and knowledge. A lot of people know just the wisdom and, but it was wisdom and knowledge. So what Solomon was granted with was not just the knowledge of what to do, but he was given wisdom to know when to do what to do. Amen. If you, if you really want to kind of just boil it down, um, wisdom allows you to use knowledge effectively. Okay. Appropriately. That's what it, that's what it does because a wisdom will allow you to see the big picture and with the big picture in tow, amen, you are able to take that knowledge that you have and use it wisely instead of recklessly. Many times, many people find themselves in trouble behind the misuse of what they know. Amen. See, just because you know a thing doesn't mean that right then, right there is the time for that thing that you know to be brought out or to make public. But you have so many people that don't have this, um, that don't understand, that don't understand this. Why? Because they lack wisdom. Wisdom is what teaches you these things. It, it, it's, it's what shows you uh, what you need to know so that you don't get out there and you just make a mistake. So many relationships, so many friendships, so many um, things have been destroyed, have been just decimated behind the reckless 
use of knowledge, knowledge that goes forth without the benefit, without the aid, without the fail safe of wisdom. This is a big, 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 big problem, big problem. Rifts in families have been caused by the lack of wisdom. Um, the erosion of, um, of relationships, um, sibling relationships and um, uh, marriages and, 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 and uh, working relationships, you name them. Amen. You name them. If they are a if they are a relation type that is authorized by God, there are some relation types that are not authorized by God. But if it is a relationship that is authorized by God, I guarantee you that the lack of wisdom somewhere, some way has at a time at some point and at some time eroded those types of relationship. The lack of wisdom, I'm telling you, it is it is poisonous to healthy relationships. It's poisonous to good working relationships. It, it, it just is. It simply is. Walking, operating without the aid of wisdom. The Lord tells us to get wisdom. Amen. God wants you to have wisdom so much that he even tells us that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who he, and God gives it liberally. That's how much God, God is, God, look, God is trying to give wisdom away. That wisdom that is from above. Why? Because he knows the things that you and I are liable to get ourselves involved in. If we don't have wisdom, it's so sad. It's so sad. I, I have talked to, to many people through the years, done mentoring throughout the years, and, and I have talked to a number of people who, are, uh, who have hurting relationships, whether it's a sibling or it's a marital or whatever it is, or a parental, it doesn't matter what it is, um, but people whose these relationships suffer all because of the misuse of knowledge. I'm just going to say what I want to say. No, you can't do that. Words have killed more people than all of the weapons and anything else that you can think of. Any bomb, any, any utensil of destruction or whatnot, these things are bad. They're absolutely bad, horrific even. But the decimation that has been had at the hand of the misuse of knowledge, knowledge used without the aid of wisdom, has produced far more casualties throughout the ages than any weapon of mass destruction, any utensil of destruction, it doesn't matter. You can plug and play it, whatever it is that you want. Nothing has done more damage. Nothing has been more responsible for the destruction of people than words. Words without restraint, without guidance, without discipline. Words without wisdom can be devastating. Get wisdom, friend. Get understanding. Don't let it be far from you. Don't let it leave your side. Don't undertake, matter of fact, just, just close your mouth. Don't say anything until you first hear from wisdom. Solomon operated in the wisdom that is from above, amen. And when he did so, it allowed him to accurately perceive a problem he was able to correctly assess the needs of the problem, the situation, and then he was able to prepare, he was able to pray the appropriate prayer to deal with that situation, all because he operated not just in knowledge, because remember, Solomon was granted wisdom and knowledge, but one without the other, it can be problematic. Amen. You can have wisdom, but if you don't have knowledge, that goes along with wisdom, even that can be detrimental. Because when you have wisdom, which is how to do or when to do, but you don't have knowledge, which is actually what to do, 
then that re that is also a recipe in a, in a way of its own for stagnation. You got a whole bunch of information. You got a whole bunch of of information about um, what about when to do certain things or when certain things should be done, but you still kind of need to know what to do, right? That has to go along so that so that you so that you take that that you you're able to to action on what you have the wisdom to now make sure that you do in the right context and at the right time. The, you, the, in other words, there's got to be some action. You got to do something. You can't just keep it all in your head, right? You got to actually do something. Knowledge allows you to actually do something. Wisdom just makes sure that something that you do, <laughs> you do it in the right time and in the right place and with and in the right context. So you need them. You need them both. Uh, Solomon operated in this early in his early in his uh, in his life. He operated in this, and Amen. And we see that, and it allowed him to assess problems accurately, um, assess the need of situations, and then pray a prayer that that to deal with it. And, and, and we said that a life led by the spirit will enable you to pray prayers beyond yourself. And that's what he, and that's what the wisdom and knowledge allowed him to do. He prayed a prayer that was so on point, that was so right on time that that prayer, <laughs> even to this day, is still finding, it's, and be, finding itself being answered. He, in other words, he prayed a prayer that went through that, that lasted the ages. That's how appropriate the prayer was. We asked because of this, because that's such a good thing, then we have to also deal with the counterbalance of that. And that was the counterbalance or the opposite of that would be praying amiss. He didn't pray amiss, but the opposite of, of praying on point and praying this prayer that really goes beyond your own knowledge and intellect, a prayer that is led by the spirit of God, which allows you to pray for things beyond what you even know to pray for, because we often don't know. Amen. Amen. But the opposite of, of being able to do that would be praying amiss. And we learned about that in James 4 and 3. I invite you to read that. And what we learned from that is, is that praying amiss is not praying for the wrong. It's not just praying for the wrong thing. It can be. It absolutely can be praying for the wrong thing, but more often than not, it's can it can it's praying for the right thing the wrong way. In other words, praying amiss has to do with your motive, has to do with your heart. Why are you praying for what you're praying? What's the, what's at the bottom of this thing? What's at the source? Amen. What's behind it all? I hear what you're asking for. God. Uh, God, God hears what you're asking for. He's totally aware of, of, of the prayer and the words are, 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 are unoffensive. You, you've selected some good words to, to present before the Lord, to present a request, but there's just one matter, your heart. Why? God wants to know why, because there are plenty of people that ask for the right thing for the wrong motive. And you got to understand that concerns God. No, God wants you to, God wants you to be pure and he wants you to be blameless. Amen. So that means even the right thing must be asked for, petitioned for, request for, supplicated for, if you will, for the right reason. Your heart is always going to be an open book before the Lord. Please never forget that. Please write that down. Your heart, my heart, is always an open book before the Lord because it is so and God is concerned about the issues and matters of the heart then that means that guess what whenever you request something whenever you petition or supplicate for something God reserves the divine right to fact check in other words he's going to check out your heart He's going to do some examination. He's going to see where you're coming from. So he's going to know if what you're asking for is wrong, right? He's going to know that too. But he's also going to know that the, if you're asking for the right thing, he's going to know if it's your heart that is wrong. God has a problem with that. Oh, yes, he does. He's got a big problem with that. If you, if you look at James 4 and 3, we're just going to go ahead and read that one. 
He says, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. And we already told you about that. But watch this second part here, this B portion. That ye may consume it upon your lusts. Do you, I hope you heard that. I hope, I hope that you heard that. You're asking that you may consume it upon your lusts. In other words, you are, now the word lusts there, okay, this is a very interesting um, usage of it, because the word lust there actually means source of joy or happiness, amen. So in other words, what he's saying is, is that you're asking amiss, you're asking out of the wrong motive so that you can what? You can consume it, which means that consume means to spend. In other words, you can make use of it. You're, at, you're really asking so that you can be happy. <laughs> In other words, it's all about you. And God is God got a problem with that. Beloved, God got a problem with that. I, I, I know. I know you, you might, but, but, but I'm asking for the right thing. But it's not a bad thing. I hear you. I get it. There's just one problem. Guess what? At the end of the day, it's really about you being happy. You want X, Y, Z to happen and to take place because it's going to make you happy. No, because it's going to hook you up in some way, some fashion. God's listen. He's checking the heart out. Stop trying to get stuff over on God. I've I, listen. I got it. I can't do it. You can't do it. Nobody who's ever done it has made has been successful at it. God cannot be tricked. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to deceive God. See, that's the thing. You can deceive other people, but you cannot deceive God. You can even deceive yourself. <laughs> and you're still not going to deceive God. The only one who's going to be clueless is you. You're going to be the only one messed up. You can't get over on God. Amen. We got to not, we got to make sure we don't do that. Okay. And, and, and so, and we also learned the Holy Ghost helps us pray to, to help us circumvent that. The Holy Ghost helps us pray. And we learned about that in Romans 8, 26. Now, in Luke 18 and 1, we learned that we should always pray. Amen. Since we're talking about that, let's just lean a little bit further than that. We should always pray. Luke 18 and 1 tells us that. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Yeah, God wants us to, listen, God wants us to pray. Solomon prayed a prayer that used that wisdom. And it allowed him to pray the appropriate prayer. When we pray, God does not want you to pray amiss with the wrong motive. He don't want you to pray for the wrong stuff, and he also, and he all, but he equally does not want you to pray for the right stuff for the wrong way. That's all wrong to him. Praying for the wrong stuff and praying for the right stuff the wrong way is all wrong to God. I, I hope you understand that. It, it, you don't, you don't, there's no consolation prize. There, there's no part that, that's a little bit better. Oh, but technically I pray for the right thing. God does not care. Praying for the right thing the wrong way is as equal to praying for the wrong thing. The Lord says, be ye holy for I am holy. The Lord thy God is holy. God doesn't go around doing shady stuff. Doing stuff with all secret, all, all ulterior motives. He don't do all that. So why is he going to accept a prayer with ulterior motives? He just told you to be like him. Be holy because he's holy. So when I operate, when you operate in a fashion, it, it, listen, you can be almost all the way good, but do you realize that Almost is not good enough for God. It ain't good enough for your salvation, and it is not good enough for your prayer life. Now, to circumvent this and to help us with that, we have an aid. We've got the Holy Ghost. we got the Spirit of the Lord. And if you have the Holy Ghost, a simple exercise of yielding to the Holy Ghost will ensure that you pray what needs to be prayed. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. This happens both in the natural and when you are praying in tongues in the spirit. Glory to God. 
case you didn't know this, for those of you, tongues is a prayer language. That is what God, God gives that to all his children. It is the initial sign that accompanies salvation. Does not mean that the person that want that after the initial sign that a person has a lifestyle and operating in. Nope, it don't have, it don't have nothing to do with that. But it, it does serve as a proof of receipt that God has done what he said he was going to do for you in the process of salvation. Amen. 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 Don't get it confused what he did in the book of Acts with what Paul was talking about in Corinthians. That's two different things. That is two different things. Amen. But nevertheless, God aids us by his spirit in prayer, both when you're praying in tongues, glory to God, and when you are praying in the natural. But guess what? You know what you got to do? You got to yield. Got to yield in each case. In each case. Speaking in tongues got to take place what? When God give utterance. <laughs> when the spirit gives utterance. That's what the word of God says. Amen. And if God is giving utterance, then it's going to be the right thing. You, you can, yo, man, you can count on that. It's, you're going to be praying the right thing. Don't worry about it. If the spirit of the Lord is giving, is, 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 is inspiring that tongue, you're going to be praying the right thing. Now you get up there and start doing your own stuff. But man, you on your own. I don't, I don't know nothing about that. I don't know. We don't know nothing about that. And God, listen, and God don't want that. Be led by the spirit, beloved. Be led by the spirit. When you're praying in the natural, Bible says we don't always know what we ought to pray for. But when you yield to the Holy Ghost, glory to God, the Lord will put some words in your mouth, some concepts, some things in your mind. Glory to God. That are beyond you. He'll inspire the he'll he'll re, he'll inspire within you the right situation, the right thing to pray for. God got this thing, and God got you. Amen, amen, and then some. Amen. Not only does God want us not pray amiss, and not only should we we and 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 and, and amen for the Holy Ghost helping us, but we should always pray. Luke eighteen and one. But in more so than that, we should also when we pray, since the Lord tells us He wants us to pray always. Okay, what 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 should we always be praying for if you want us to pray always? I'm glad you asked that question. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses 11 through 12. Wherefore, also we pray what always? Didn't Luke tell us we are man to always pray? Now he's telling you what you should always be praying for. You got to go to Thessalonians to find that. Glory to God. Sets for 2 Thessalonians 1 and 11. Wherefore also we pray what? Always for you. That our God would what? Count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You ought to be praying for the best. That's what you ought to be praying for, for your brothers and sisters. Oh, okay. Well, you know, Brother Walker, I got that. Hold on before you stop right there. You can't stop at just your brothers and sisters. God wants you to also be praying for the people that you don't like and the ones that don't like you. Oh, you don't believe that? Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 48, but I say unto you, love your enemies. All right, that get a whole lot of us right there. He says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Uh-oh, here we go. And do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You know what that means, despitefully use you? Don't mean people who running your name down. That means people who are talking crazy about you. That means people who are cussing at you. That means people who are saying all kinds of things contrary to who you really are. Verse 45, amen. That ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. What does that mean? God, there are some things that God blesses indiscriminately. 
He gives to good and bad alike. He blesses them alike in some areas. And when it comes to your prayer, God wants you and I to model that aspect, that indiscriminate aspect of God when it comes to prayer time. Amen. Glory to God. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore what perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. God wants you to pray for your, the best for your brothers and sisters, that his glory, that his will will be done in them. But guess what? You got to be praying for it too also in your enemies. You ought to be praying for them to be saved. God, deliver them from that mindset. God, I know they did me wrong, but you got to learn how to pray like Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now that's hard depending on the offense that somebody is laying upon you. But what offense is greater than praying that prayer in the midst of those who are actively murdering you? That is what Jesus did. In the middle of being executed, he prayed a prayer that said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So what excuse do I have? Oh, but you just don't know. He did this. She did that. And how could they do this? And how could they do that? And I'm supposed to just let it go? I'm supposed to just forgive them? Does not the word tell us overcome evil with good? Oh, yes, it does. But yet when the mind starts to unaided by the spirit, that natural man, the knee-jerk reaction is, but, I, but I, I've been done just too wrong. This, this is a bridge too far, and we can't, we can't pass it. But you want me to tell you something? Your sin was a road too far. Oh, yes, it was. The wages of sin is death. That was a road too far. But there is no that too far. And, every, and too, just, just listen, it was too far for us to come back from on our own. Now nah, we couldn't do it on our own. We done too much. See, when those folks was out there saying, crucify him, crucify him, guess what? They was your stand-in. They represented you. <laughs> they was just saying it for you. Because every time you sin and you walk in unrighteousness, every time I sin and I walk in unrighteousness, I ain't no better than those that said, crucify him away with this Jesus give us Barabbas the word of God says that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us asking for my own way asking for my own desire not caring what was going on all the while in the middle of that Jesus kept going in spite of my ridiculousness because the crowd represented you. Make no mistake about that. Make no mistake about that. Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. All of our sins collectively cried out, crucify him. Away with this Jesus. But in the midst of that, of being executed, all the while, the crowd was crying out, crucify him. This is what Jesus did. He prayed a prayer that was not for himself, 
but it was for somebody else. It was for you and it was for me. It was for my children. It's for the children's children, your children's children. It was for every generation. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You are able to listen to this today because he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so God wants the same thing that he was willing to give, that indiscriminate, that indiscriminate blessing. We have to do the same thing. Now, take a look at this. Let's look at something. Let's look at something. Second Chronicles. Amen. Amen. Second Chronicles. And in a minute here, we're going to look at verses six, um, excuse me, chapter six, and we're going to look at verse um, 21. Amen. Solomon prayed a real good prayer. Amen. And it's a prayer that he's answering to this day. You can actually read it in that prayer. You can, and, 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 and that prayer, you, as you go backwards in the scripture and just keep reading, you'll actually run into everything that that Solomon actually prayed for. And I invite you and I invite you to do that. But the reason why God does that is because he's a covenant keeping God. Amen. Look at Deuteronomy 7 and 19. And we'll, we'll, we'll make our way back to um, um, Second Chronicles in just a moment. Um, but look at De Deuteronomy 7 and 9, 7 and 9, Deuteronomy 7 and 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which what? Keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Amen. He is a covenant keeping God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And because he is a covenant keeping God, the prayer that Solomon prayed was so airtight, was so, was just so on point that the Lord is actually answering that prayer to this day. He's still answering it. He is still answering it. See, listen, sin, sin has consequences. This, there's no secret about that, okay? And if, you, and, and if you engage in sin, it will cause God to withhold his blessing. We gave you some scriptures on that in several lessons past. I invite you to look back over those scriptures um, just for a quick, um, so that you'll have the scriptures. I won't be reading them. Daniel 9, 11, Jeremiah 5, 25, and Romans 6, 23. Please read those scriptures when you have that time, because God, because they will show you um, without doubt that that sin will cause God to withhold blessings and good things from you. Amen. Now, Solomon knew something. Solomon knew that the people were going to mess up. He knew this. He knew that they were going to mess up and fall into sin. Now, I told you before, this all takes place, okay, after the finishing of the temple. Solomon has, David originally wanted to build the temple. God said, Solomon, God said, David, no, you're not going to do that. I'm going to bless you um, because you wanted to do that, but you yourself are not going to do it. Your hands are too full of blood. I'm going to have your son do it. Solomon is going to do it. Amen. David is off the scene. Solomon is now king, and Solomon has now finished the house of God. Amen. Now, Solomon also finished his own house, but primarily when we read that scripture, he finished the house of God. He made God's house a priority. Now, let me tell you something. Segue really quick here. When you take care of God's business, he'll let you take care of your business too. You, you're going to find that you got enough time to do what you need to do. It's going to be time to do God's stuff, and it's going to be time for you to do your stuff. Now, let me tell you something. When you are operating and all everything, God is a God of balance, and you need to understand this. God makes room for you to take care of his business and then room for you to take care of your business. He does that. Now, when you find an imbalance going on, something is wrong. See, when you find that all your time, is spent in uh, on, so to speak, God's thing. God does not require you to do that. No. God knows there are other things that you also need to do. Amen. And God makes room for you to do all of those things. There's a time to teach lessons. There's a time to preach sermons. There's a time for prayer. There's a time for all of that. Yes, it is. But there are also other times for you to do other things. There's time for you to be with your family. There's time for you to enjoy one another. There, you hear what I'm telling you? Balance. Balance, beloved. Balance. 
when your church is requiring all your time, something is wrong. When you are doing all what you want to do and you are not making time to do God's stuff, something is wrong. You're not in God's will. You're walking in your own way. When you're leaning too far to the right or too far to the left, something is wrong. God make time for you and your family. Glory to God. You got a whole lot of people hiding behind. I'm doing the Lord's work all because they don't want to spend no time at home. You got things you need to take care of at home. Relationships that got to be worked on. You got to do all of these things that you might be what? Blameless. God wants you to experience victory in every area. You spend all your time at the church. What kind of nonsense is that? God give you time for that. You spend all your time at home and on your pleasures and you ain't going to church. You ain't in nobody. What kind of nonsense is that? You see what I mean? It could be it, it can get ridiculous on either side. But when you follow the word of God and you obey that word of God and you look to what the word says, you beloved will find balance. You'll find that you have time to take care of the things that you need to do, the things that God has called you to do. And you'll also find that you have time to take care of the family, to smell the roses, so to speak. But you know what? When you take, you smelling the roses when you're taking care of God's business and your business. That, that's when you're smelling the roses. Because God give you, God give you time for all of that. Now, when you find that you ain't got no time for nothing else, not, not something is wrong. Because the Lord said, let everything be done decently and in order. So don't come with no nonsense talking about, oh, well, you know what? I just got to keep on going or whatever else. You know, you, you done got COVID, you sick, you done messed up, and you're going to push your way to church. You better stay at home. Oh, you know what? I'm just tired, exhausted. I'm you falling asleep on the road as you are traveling to and fro, but I'm going to keep on. Let me tell you something. It's going to be all right. God got you. We are family and we cover one another. And God knows when you need some rest, but he also knows when you overrested. So don't try to get one over on God. God knows balance, balance, balance. Amen. Amen. That's good for all of us to hear. It's good for people to hear because a lot of times we, we, we run into issues with that. We think that we, the more we go to church or the more we go and do these different things and knowing you ain't taking no time for nothing else or whatever, you think that, you know, oh, well, you know what? It's a sacrifice. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, the blessings of the Lord do not add sorrow. Do you hear what I'm telling you? They do not add sorrow. So in other words, when God calls you and God orders you and God put, puts you and assigns you something and you start working at it or whatever, you're not going to go around with the feeling of, oh, man, I wish, you know, it's because of this. I don't have no, I can't do nothing. No, it ain't none of that. God, gonna, you're going to have time for these different things. Now, when you are operating and you don't have no time for nothing, that means you are out of order. That means you are, you're, you're not prioritizing right. You're mismanaging your time. Don't let people make you think that God requires more than what he requires. Jesus told the disciples, exact no more than what's due. That's what he said. You better check the record. You better check the record because that's what Jesus said. Exact no more than what's due. Don't let nobody convince you to keep going above and beyond when you have given everything that you have and you ain't got nothing more and you now need to go to sleep. Man, listen, 
You better go home and take a nap. Go home and take a nap. Get your second win. Come on back. That's how that goes. God, God, God got you. God got you. But don't prioritize your your own your 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 own priorities and your own your pleasures and all this kind of stuff. And you know you ain't you ain't hardly come on. You don't hardly come to church, don't hardly come to no Bible stuff, don't hardly do nothing, and you planning vacations and everything else. Get that ridiculousness out of here. You better cancel them plans and give God the service that he deserves. You do his work first and end your stuff second. And he'll bless you in that. Glory to God. Provided you are not coming up with something strange. Amen. Amen. I know somebody needed to somebody needed to hear that because there are a lot of us that are unbalanced. A lot of us, and you don't hear and see. And, and, and the thing is, is that in the church, many times what will happen is, is that they're always more there. There, there's always more work than there are hands to do the work. Is the way it's seen. But this is why the Lord said, "Pray to the Lord of the harvest that He'll send forth laborers into." Amen into the harvest and into that field. He said, he told you what to do with that. When you don't, listen, when you don't have enough, you don't overexert yourself by planning up the world when you know you ain't got enough people and are not enough resources to be able to do. You don't tax everybody into oblivion. You don't run everybody into the ground. That is evil and not the will of God. And you can't do that. You're not going to slide that over talking about you did that in the name of the Lord. He didn't ask you to do that. He did not ask you to do that. That's you doing that. That's you misplanning and you mishandling stuff. Plan accordingly. See, when the spirit of the Lord leads you, amen, and when you are led by the spirit, you will be able to plan for big and great things, but you won't do it in a way that taxes everybody and runs all everybody that you have into the ground. No, it don't work that way. God will, as a thing grows, God will send the resources that are necessary to make it work. See, when a thing get ready to grow beyond what you initially planned for, you can always tell because the spirit of the Lord got to start sending resources and got to start sending things. And all of a sudden, you'll be, you'll, you'll, the capacity to do more will start to unfold. But when you just start going on and doing just doing stuff and you're not led by the spirit. And so the God, look, the Lord's not is not is not is not leading you. In what you're doing, you just take it all, all of these different things. Well, guess what? You run the risk. Of invoking spiritual burnout. Among the brethren, you don't want to do that. That's mishandling the resources that God has given. What am I telling? I'm telling you, let God expand it. You start plan with what you have capacity for. But then don't stop right there. Keep praying. Lord, send more. God, send resources. God, we want to do this. God, we want to do this. God, make this happen. God, do this. God will breathe. And God will expand. Now, I hope this is good for somebody because somebody probably really do need to, really did need to hear that. Amen. Amen. I know that that's good stuff. I know that that is good stuff. Solomon prayed. Solomon knew the people were going to mess up. So this is what he did. He prayed for the privilege. This is what, this is why we say that prayer was so airtight because this is what he actually prayed for. Solomon prayed for the privilege of having access to forgiveness whenever one who would fall into sin, whenever that one who would fall would turn again towards God, they would have forgiveness. And you can read about this in Second Chronicles chapter 6, starting at verse 21. 
and read through verse 42. Solomon knew that the people were going to mess up. He knew that. When the temple was done, everybody's excited. Everybody's on, everybody's on cloud nine. Everybody's, everybody's happy. Everybody is, is operating in a spirit of praise and worship. And everybody is on point right now. Everybody's in tune with the Lord on this day. But Solomon perceived something with the wisdom and knowledge. He knew that you wouldn't, that the folks, you weren't going to always feel that way. He knew that they weren't going to always be in tune. One of the, the, the reason why um, when you're witnessing and sharing the word of God, it is important that you do not misrepresent what God is offering. God is offering eternal life. Yes, he is. Okay. But in God is offering forgiveness of sin. Yes, he is. If you will repent, he's offering that. Amen. But at the end of the day, if you take all of this stuff and you boil it down, what God is offering is righteousness. He's offering to take the righteousness that he has and apply his righteousness to your account because you don't have any. Your bank account of righteousness is on zero. And only the righteous shall see God. Only those that are holy shall see God. You don't have no holiness, no righteousness of yourself. Yet it's required. So Jesus went to the cross, paid it all, and rose on the third day so that he could cover your debt. He could cover your deficiency, your default. And he covered it with his blood. It paid it all. But not only did it pay for it all, it also filled your account up with righteousness. His righteousness. Bible calls it imputed. His righteousness that's laid to your account. Now, you now have the righteousness acquired or required in order to be with God. Now, this is what God is, this is what God is offering. But what he is not offering, God is offering righteousness, a right standing with God. But what he's not offering is a life on this side full of happiness and you getting any and everything that you want. You're not offering that. God is making, offering you righteousness, not happiness. When you are sharing the word of God and you're witnessing the people, you got to make sure that you don't sell people a bill of goods by making them think that, oh, when you come to the Lord and you turn, you know, your life, you're going to be so happy. It's going to be happiness. All this kind of, it's going to be, it's going to be peachy king, beds of roses and all this. No, 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 no. Because the Lord promised that, guess what? You know what you're going to have on this side? You're going to have persecutions. You're going to have suffering. That comes along with it. Happiness is a byproduct of obedience. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Happiness is a byproduct of continual obedience to the word of God. It is not a byproduct, an end-all, be-all byproduct of being saved. It is not. It is not, it is not, it is not. Let me tell you something. You can be saved, but if in the moment you decide that you're going to start walking sideways and doing stuff that you ain't got no business doing, I guarantee you when the chastisement of God begin to hit you, the last thing that you're going to be is happy. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to be happy. <laughs> you're not going to be happy. God, you're not going to get hooked up. God, not going to hook you up with nothing. You start walking in sin, 
You start walking in unrighteousness. You're not getting ready to be happy. No, 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 no. Don't misrepresent what God is offering. The reason why is, is because when you misrepresent what God is offering and you make people think that, oh, all your problems is going to go away. Everything is going to be all good and all this kind of stuff. Then what ends up happening is they come in, go through the salvation process according to the Bible. Again, Acts chapter Two, start reading verse 36, 38, and you'll be able to, you'll see a clear example of the bat of the of the salvation process. You'll see what happens. Okay. But what happens is that when you misrepresent what you what the message and people come to the Lord looking for happiness, then what happens is, is that as soon as they start to not feel happy anymore, they have tied their salvation and everything to that. Okay. And so now, as soon as they start to deal with the persecution that comes along with being saved, because remember, that's what the Lord promised you he was going to get. He didn't promise you he was going to be happy, but he promised you he was going to get them persecution. He, pro he promised that. He promised you he was going to get that suffering, but he didn't promise you he was going to get that happiness. But when you have made a person think that they are going to just be happy all the time, now they come to the Lord. No, 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 no. See, the happiness is going to come as they continue to be obedient to the Lord. But that happiness is not going to be 24-7. There's going to be some unhappy times. There, are, there are, you, you, you hear what I'm telling you? There, you're going to deal with that. But when a person has been misrepresented and the, they, they feel like you done sold them a bill of goods, and then what happens is, is that they come expecting that everything's supposed to change and everything's supposed to di be different. And then when they, that real life start hitting the life after, you know, after you've been water baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost, when, when life start happening again, now all of a sudden they're like, what's going on? Then they start thinking, oh, well, it must be this and it must be that. And then they start thinking, oh man, you know what, man, this is for the birds. No. No, 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 no. An example was once given. If you are in a plane that's about to go down and there is a parachute in there, if the flight staff should tell you while in the flight, just prior to learning that the plane is going to go down, uh, make sure that you put on your parachute. Um, the, the parachute is for safety. So in case the fight goes down, you be able to bail out and you'll have a parachute and you'll have first and you'll be able to 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 have a safe landing. But if that parachute is this backpack of a parachute is all awkward and everything and and maybe and maybe the color of it clashes with your clothes and and it don't and it don't and it don't fit and it doesn't it's it's, it's a little cumbersome to wear. If you knew that the plane was getting ready to go down you wouldn't be concerned about the cumbersomeness of the backpack. You wouldn't be worried about the weight of the backpack. You wouldn't be worried about that. It might mean you got to sit up a little awkwardly, a little differently than everybody else. You wouldn't be worried about how it, how it clashes with your clothes and everything else. You wouldn't be worried about all of that. Why? Because you know that that parachute is going to save your life when it comes time to jump out that plane. That's the way righteousness is and holiness is. It's the parachute that you better have on because the plane of this life is going down. But to wear that parachute means you're going to have to sit up a little bit. You ain't going to be able to get stretched all the way out in that chair and you're not going to be able and it might wrinkle up some of the things and it might not be very forthcoming. When you come to the Lord, you come for holiness and righteousness, not for happiness. And it is important that when you share in the word, you make people unsure that they understand that. That way, when the turbulence hits and life starts to become a little unstable, they don't turn and look and say, oh, man, you know what? It's all because of this backpack. No. Why? Because they had a proper understanding of what that backpack was for. They understood that in it contained a parachute. They understood that righteousness means that I can't do what everybody else do. I can't dress like everybody else. I can't walk like everybody else. I can't talk like everybody else, but I've got church. Glory to God. Glory to God. It might mean that I can't 
everything and every gathering, and I can't be a party to this, that, and other. I've got to walk holy before the Lord, but I've got to do it because only the righteous shall see God. None but the righteous shall see God. Amen. 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 Brothers and sisters, make sure that you don't misrepresent. You don't mis misrepresent what God is offering. Solomon prayed for the privilege of having access, that we would have access to forgiveness when a person would fall into sin if they would turn towards the Lord. Now, obviously, this has turned into a five-part lesson. So next week, we will endeavor to actually finish this up. Um, I'm telling you, we go with the spirit of the Lord. I, I, I always have intention of making it someplace, but you know what I've learned? Let God do the talking. I learned to get out the way and let God say what he's going to say. I don't care if I make it only through one, one word in, in, a, in a scripture. If God, we're going we to stop when God says stop. And we're not gonna we're not gonna we gotta go push pause on what God want to say because I want to get to know we're gonna get right then and there. So thank the Lord for the word that He's given us today. We are gonna pick this up next week in uh, part five of this wonderful lesson of of fresh of of second chances and fresh starts in the Lord. Brothers, have a wonderful wonderful Sunday. Sisters, have a wonderful wonderful Sunday. Until next time. God bless you. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording here.